0: Hello, and welcome to season three, episode four of the AMM Conversation, official podcast of the Association of Medical Media. I'm your host, Jason Karras. Before we begin, please make sure to follow, rate, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. We appreciate the help. Today, we welcome James Brady to the podcast. Jim is a Vietnam veteran with more than 50 years in the pharmaceutical and medical media industries. He began his career as a detailer for Bayer and has spent the past four decades in pharmaceutical advertising. He's founder and president of James T. Brady, Inc., a publishing rep firm he established in 1984. He currently is publisher for Allergy and Asthma Proceedings, as well as clinical highlights for the rheumatologist. An avid golfer and family man, he's the former chairman of the Pharmaceutical Advertising Council Speakers Bureau and a longtime member of the Association of Medical Media. You know, just to, let's start with a quick overview of, you know, what's really evolved in this industry in the last one, three, five years?
1: Well, what what has evolved even past one or three, five years is the personal contact. Uh, this is um, at the physician level in the physician's office. Many years ago, when I started in this industry as a detailer, we had access to the physician We either waited our turn or got taken in right away or uh, waited till there were no more patients. And the physician brought us in. We gave them the detail. We talked about family and children and anniversaries. As I was leaving the territory, physicians were seeing people by appointment, which was almost unheard of. It has even gone further down the road to for a detailer to see a physician they can visit the office and they can drop off their samples and get a signature. But uh, to see the physician personally, sometimes it requires where the detailer has to order lunch for the staff on an appointed day and appointed time. and, And maybe the physician will come in and have lunch or grab a bite to eat. And you can ask him or her some questions and, and give a brief detail. So the personal aspect has been watered down, and, and because of that, some of the drug companies have cut back on their sales force and have gone to other means to try to reach that physician.
0: You know, the rules were different, no sunshine law, you know, samples were king back then. The lack of that personal touch, what does that meant to medical marketers? What does what that meant for medical media?
1: Well, for medical media, they're trying to drill down to see, you know, making contact with the physician has gotten more and more difficult over the years. The print media, which is still, I think, the most efficient way to go, years ago, to get the personal contact, what they would do, because they had no proof a journal ed would be seen, they would do a check study. So on an nth name basis, they would write the physician's name and, and actually insert a check inside the, the journal. And if the check was found and endorsed and sent back to them, they knew that that physician read the issue or saw the ad that the check was next to. That has kind of disappeared now. And I, I think that the younger product managers who are brought up in a digital world feel that uh, impressions are, are more efficient than some of the the print media. And I think that's what's happening is that they're trying to get uh, physician contact through uh, digital media, through uh, teleconferences, to product theaters. And I think that's how it's evolving.
0: You know, face-to-face can be very effective, Jim, you know, but it's really hard to achieve today. What are your thoughts on, you know, especially as we move towards 2021, being able to connect face-to-face or even just be able to you know, have a conversation with a a physician?
1: Well, I'm sure what's being done right now is that if you are a detailer and you have some kind of personal relationship with a physician, they still don't want you there because even though you're wearing a mask and everything else, I would think that a small percentage of detailers are keeping up their relationship, just like some of the publishers reps with the media people, they're actually communicating with the physician via zoom calls just keeping keeping touch probably taking a low approach unless it's a new product introduction but sampling you know in the old days whoever sampled the most you know got got the business and today with the personal contact cutting back it it, it is very difficult but it, i with the vaccines coming We will be turning a corner shortly. And I think that all these restrictions will be lessened and things will eventually, you know, get back to normal and marketers can go back to the way they had been communicating with physicians.
0: You know, in this era of, of Zoom calls and, you know, digitalization, I know it's great and working from home and all of those kind of things. I know it's great, but there's also some downsides. You know, I, I I get half a dozen meetings canceled or moved at the very last minute every week or two. Any any tricks or ideas or 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 thoughts on being able to really be effective in in, in digital communication with these folks?
1: It's it, it is more difficult for somebody who is in the medical publishing business to keep contact with their clients personally. The main tool that I use is email, and uh, but there's only so many times you can email a client um, and tell them what a great property you have, and you become an annoyance or a nuisance. What I have done with some of my clients, uh, I have a friend who has, uh, I don't know where he gets them, but he has these very, very funny videos. They're either embarrassing moments or they're Things that children do that are very funny, anything from a an infant to a uh, you know something silly, and I try to uh, use these videos as a as a way uh, via email just to send to some of my clients and say, hey, thought you'd be interested in this, and it's a way to keep in contact without being overbearing uh, to to uh, either a current advertiser or somebody that you're recruiting. That, that's the, the, the trick that I use. Sometimes it works and I get all kinds of uh, responses. That was great. Thank you so much for sending. Or sometimes it's silent and you don't know whether they liked it or hated it. So,
0: I've heard in a number of conversations, both for the podcast and other projects, that a lot of what is old is new again. Have you seen or heard similar stories?
1: Well, what I, have, what I have seen with certain clients is something that actually is an improvement, something that uh, 20 years ago or 30 years ago did not not exist, to have a marketer do a cover tip on the front page of a, of a print media vehicle where the advertiser comes up with a pre-printed insert that meets the specifications of the publisher. And it could be just one sheet that's uh, glued or tipped on or something that they call a pita pocket cover tip where you could have literally 15, 20 pages folded up and it's inserted in this pita pocket. And then the pita pocket is glue stripped to the front cover is um, is something that I never thought we would see in the industry. There's always been um, inserts. In fact, many, many years ago, when inserts started to take um, favor, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine, which is weekly, had a wait list. So if you wanted to run a pre-printed insert in their publication since since it's weekly, in January, you had to wait till April, four months they only took a limited number mm-hmm. of inserts. And you had to wait four months online to get your insert into that, into that publication. The fact that COVID has for, uh, shut down all these meetings, they're still being held virtually. And what the pharmaceutical companies are doing they're they're trying to sponsor product theaters virtually and discreetly have messages sponsored by a particular you know, company in this virtual rheumatology or allergy meeting or dermatology, whatever the, whatever the meeting is. I mean, they are struggling to get their name in front of the doctor and it has really become very difficult. And I think uh, when, when this is over, I think, like I say, it'll be back business as usual.
0: So you think that the challenge and the, the disruption face-to-face meetings will return? You think doctors will return, you know, to Congresses and meetings? I, I do know that I've talked to a number of, you know, even on the association side, they basically punted most meetings for 2021. I know a few are looking to go, like ASCO in June, July, June, I think. You know, I, I know a lot of associations have, have just punted 2021, um, but you think that the the, the face-to-face will return? Yeah, I, I, I
1: really do. I really feel the face-to-face Will return. I would say July first would be a date that any meeting scheduled after that. Um, I think air travel will return, um, but it's it certainly has set us back because of what's what's what has been going on in the world, and it's not just our industry, Jason. It's every industry, whether it's the plumbing industry, whether it's you know theaters. They're especially feeling the pain. I think those people who just keep hammering away, like you said, direct mail is uh, you know making a comeback. In fact, we have had a request from agencies for companies, what percentage of our circulation, MD circulation, uh, received the publication at home versus the office? And since many of the physicians weren't going into the office, the higher number of MDs that you had who received it at home, it was considered a plus.
0: No uh, office staff filtering out the mail or, or, or the journals or setting them in a in a box for them to look at it exactly. at the end of the week, right? You exactly, know, you can, you know, I've even heard, I think Jim Delash from uh, Glaxo on our call, uh, on our round table in October said, going to the mailbox is like an event forum, exactly. you know? You never know what you're. You never know true. what You're going to get right. That's true. You know. Let's talk about 2021. Um, and you know, 2020 was terrible. We're putting it in the rearview mirror. But fortunately, pharma. You know, the pharma industry, medical media. You know, like we said, is has not been disrupted as much as some industries. If you were a sales rep, product manager in the airline space or the hotel space, um, you may not have a job right now, right? What positives potentially have come out of 2020, and what are
1: you looking forward to
0: for 2021?
1: Um, One of the things that, that has been happening to our industry, which has not helped, is the tremendous amount of money that the industry has been spending, and I think has increased in 2020, is TV advertising companies, you know, like Avi and Pfizer, uh, AstraZeneca, they have increased TV advertising and the money that some of the pharmaceutical venues would normally get. I mean, it's nothing new, but in 2020, it was increased. And I feel going forward in 2021, that when people will no longer be cooped up in their homes and they'll be eventually going back to their offices, that some of that money will be reallocated to professional ethical marketing. And I think that's going to be a good thing for our industry that we will be getting back, not right away, it's not gonna be a a huge windfall of ads in uh, medical journals and online and direct mail, but it will slowly subside uh, to, it, to be in our favor. That's what I, I look forward to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw a report the other day that like
1: 21
0: or 22% of every email sent from like April through July had a COVID-19 subject line. Not just in the medical media industry, Every email sent had <laughs> a yes. COVID, you know, one in five in your inbox had something to do with the pandemic. Pharma industry, they want to, they want instant, gratifi- instant gratification and they wanna be able to drill down more than in years past. Can you just talk a little bit about that trend and, and the pros and cons of it on the, for, for medical uh, marketers?
1: Well, I mean, y- you can understand if you are a product manager, And you were allocating money to to the sales force, and and the sales force is not making the calls that they had been doing in the past. You want to spend your money in a way where you can see the result of, of that ad spend, you know. Uh, ROI is more important today and product managers, the young product managers are feeling a need to, I just spent $500,000 on this promotion. How How do I know it worked? I think that some companies are looking to see the impact, whether it's journal advertising or digital impressions, to trace that money spent to A, did the physician see the ad and B, did they take action and prescribe my product? And I think that is the thing that they are looking for and which the industry is trying to give them, although it is very, very difficult. Um, And I think that's that's what's happening today. Uh, They want to know Did this investment work? And it's the publishers that are scrambling to give them the result for the money they spent.
0: It's almost a a new battleground, really, isn't it? It's not delivering, you know, the marketing. It's being able to clearly establish that it worked, especially in digital channels. That's that's literally a battleground. There's no common ground. I think everybody's kind of chasing everybody
1: is chasing that tail. And if there is a way to do it that's simple, whoever designs that plan or that product or that service will really do well. I know you love RFPs. What's different about RFPs? Well, what's different about RFPs, they didn't exist uh, five years ago. And RFPs basically are a way in which for example, you're building a new house, and you bring in an architect. They design the plans, and then you go to your contractor and you say, this is what we want. But you need, you may go to three or four contractors. Can they do this, and how much are they going to charge? That's what these RFPs are for. They try to standardize among publishers if we give you this money, and this is our ad unit, or, the, or these are the impressions that we're willing to, to buy from you, how, how are you going to do it? Give me evidence that your vehicle, digital or print, is going to be worth uh, the money I spend with you. And in a way, I, I can understand uh, why they do this. Uh, there are certain agencies that are, um, that give you at least a week to prepare an RFP and there's other agencies that give you uh, 48 hours and sometimes that you know that's difficult to do in a timeline especially if you need to research some of the questions that they have you know and get and get back to them but but it's something that we will be having to fill out as publishers going forward for the next few years. I mean, this is going to be a standard procedure, and, and I can understand why they, they are needed. Let's
0: talk about 2021 again. You know, one of the key words or, or key terminologies that I've heard this entire year has been the word acceleration acceleration for industries. Um, to you know, digitize or to move to a more work from home or uh, you know other types of technologies or workflows, uh, the pandemic has pushed pushed people to their limits. But I know that you know you, you still believe in print. So let's talk about
1: you know 2021.
0: What's what's your overarching view here on where the industry is headed?
1: Well, first of all, the the industry already has shaken out itself a little bit. What I mean by that, if there is a specific specialty, let's just pick surgery. I don't have a surgery publication, but you know, one time there were maybe 30 surgery specialty books, which is way too many, way too many. And by attrition, they may be down to 15, 16. Just by attrition alone, after 2020, I'm sure there are going to be publications that are on the bubble, just about making it or breaking even. They will no longer exist. And we will have more print media, less print media to choose from, which I think is a good thing for uh, publishers and for pharmaceutical companies alike. I think that, that print will al- always be with us. I think that online will always be with us, digital advertising. I think you need a combination combination of both to, to be effective. And I think most agencies are sophisticated enough to to work out a plan, you know, with, with, with both.
0: You know, along those same lines, I was talking to RJ Lewis and Amy Turnquist, and they, you know, they've seen a real shift to trusted media sources, you know, that, like you just said, you don't need 30 publications in a space, maybe some spaces, but- you know, physicians typically are going to, you know, uh, trend or, or or rely on three, four, five in their certain specialty.
1: I, I would agree with that, Jason. And and, and and what happens is that unless you have a new product launch, that's a, uh, a blockbuster drug, most companies go three or four deep and then the rest uh, either with a position special position like a cover position, they get a smaller portion of, of that media budget. And Kantar Media, you know, does a good job in selecting the best read publications. And I think that's what media agencies have been using, but it's not just the top three. If they're all tabloids, you know, maybe you need an official journal in there that gives you some credibility. Um, I think that um, the, the days of, you know, calling up uh, a client because there's an article about their product in an upcoming issue is not as weighty as it used to be. Uh, McGraw-Hill, years ago, they had a, they had a, a saying, McGraw-Hill uh, Medical Publishers, media concentration rather than scatteration. So that bodes out what you said. In other words, There's a select group of publications that you know are the hardcore, true, proven year in, year out. You go with those in your first line and then your second line of spend, you know, it depends on on positioning and cost. And um, I think that's what media people are using today and that that's the right thing to do.
0: We'll be right back after a word from the Association of Medical Media.
1: Hi, I'm Todd Van Deek, Executive Director of the Association of Medical Media, and we're thrilled that you've taken some time today to listen to this episode of our podcast series. For more information about our organization, please go online and visit www.ammonline.org. There you'll find a host of different resources and materials and tools that you can use. It's all part of our commitment to the medical media industry. And if you're inclined, we'd love to have you as a member. You can always reach out for ideas for new podcast series or to let us know you'd like to become more involved by an email to help at ammonline.org. Thanks again, and we'll get you back to this interview.
0: We're back with Jim Brady. Let's continue the conversation. Jim, as an industry veteran, I'm sure throughout your career you've seen new media tactics introduced, some successful, some not so successful and not here anymore. Um, any thoughts on you know recent additions such as you know multimedia, programmatic, even social media, to the HCP marketing mix?
1: I know that the the big publishers have used those tactics, social media and to curry favor with physicians and healthcare specialists. And it's something that is going to be with us forever. And I think when I started 50 years ago, there were only three ways you could spend your money. Journal advertising, the detail force, which got the lion's share of the money and direct mail. That was it. Today, you have so many choices, so many things that you can use that's at your disposal. And the secret is to come up with a combination of those choices. Basically, you know, your menu is extensive. A lot of this really is client dependent. The philosophy or the business model, and sometimes agencies are forced to work with the client who has said, if this is my way or the highway. But lots of times companies will rely on the expertise of the agencies who have worked with all these things and have been successful. But I think that social media is certainly one way to influence physicians.
0: Jim, what's gonna be different for your 2021 media plans?
1: Well, that's, that's a good question, Jason. I think from personally from what I can gather I do not see advertisers leaving the print space. I think that they have been supportive and, and will be supportive. I think that um, FDA, I think be more lenient in some new product introductions, which will open up some new revenue streams, you know, for the industries, for the industry. I think that the, uh, the vaccine they did their due diligence and I think um, we, we are good to go and we have more coming and I think that's a, a, a good thing. But for 2021, as things get back to normal, I think you will see budgets. Uh, I, the, the problem is the budget's already set. So 2021, it's basically everybody knows how much they're going to spend. Now, if they need more money, they have to go back to the head of the department and say, look, Doctors are back. They're in their offices. We need to go back to what we were doing before COVID, and let's get on board and spend the money where we where we have to.
0: Excellent. So, Jim, when you were a detailer, any horror stories from that uh,
1: career choice? Well, I, I wouldn't call it a horror story, but when I was detailing in the uh, early 70s, it was basically... Uh, Before HIPAA, uh, I would go in and I would detail a physician. And the physician would tell me, oh, yes, I write cortone cream all the time. And I said, oh, good. Thank you so much. Then I would go to the local pharmacy and I'd say, hey, uh, pharmacy, uh, Mr. Pharmacist, I just came from a, a sales call. And Doctor X says he writes cortone cream all the time. He says cortone cream. I haven't seen a prescription from him in over a year. I said, really? I said. uh, He goes, oh yeah. He just bought some sharing stock and he's writing Valisone. I said, oh, do you mind if I, you know, check out some of the other physicians? in my territory, can I look at the uh, at your prescription file? He says, "Well, okay. What what you got anything special for me?" I said, "Okay, here's some uh, some samples or some uh, stock packages of whatever product I had." So I was able to go through the prescription files with the patient's name, the doctor, the, the actual prescription, and see what the physician was writing. And sometimes they wrote my product and sometimes they didn't. Now, today, um, that would never be allowed. And since we've reached the statute of limitations, I don't expect anybody to come to my door and arrest me because I wouldn't have done it if it was, uh, if it was illegal at the time. But that's something that um, I'm sure the, the detailers go into the pharmacist and may ask them, is so-and-so writing my product? But, uh, and, and it's up to the pharmacist to let them know, but it's something that, that, that I did, which would be, you know, a clear federal violation. You
0: know, heading towards 2021, what are the biggest questions and, and challenges been from your clients?
1: Well, I think the biggest challenges they, they have is, um, you know, my spending my money correctly. And uh, twice a year, Canton Media comes out with a journal survey and it's broken out into what physicians are read, how do they read it, do they just skim it, do they go you know, cover to cover, that's looked upon pretty closely. And if a journal one year is at the top of the list and all of a sudden there's a new editor or maybe a new shift in what happens, uh, the editorial slant, I mean, you could go from, from number one to number seven. That certainly is something that the media people look at you know, my spending my money in the right, in the right places.
0: Are you on board with the shift towards real-time data and analytics? You know, we were talking uh, again, another podcast episode. And one of the biggest challenges, you know, for agencies is, you know, providing that real-time information, you know, it used to be monthly, then it bi-monthly, weekly, now a real-time update, you know, a dashboard. Are you on board with that? What are your feelings on that? that shift and also that pressure to perform?
1: Well, my feelings are that th- that's a good thing that uh, the real-time media, I mean, 10 years from now, we're gonna look back and, and say all the things we did in 2020 were archaic compared to what real-time data we can get right now. And so if you're sitting as a product manager You need to to be up to speed on the latest market research database, individual prescription activity, whatever you can get, that's what you're going to sign up for. And, And those that accept that fact will do fine. And those that are stuck in the mud and say, I'm not changing my ways, they're going to be left behind. Oh, let's look three, five, 10 years
0: down the road, you may or may not still be in this industry. Do you think it's headed in the right- You know,
1: that that is a, if I knew the answer to that, you know, I would have my own island somewhere in the Caribbean. And uh, I, I honestly feel that the changes will be so radical, it's going to be hard to imagine. Uh, so imagine those changes. I think your previous question is in a line with, the last question, and that is, how is it going to be different? It's it's going to be, it's like when the first cell phone came out, and it weighed uh, seven pounds, and you put it in your your, your car, and you know, you needed two hands to pick it up, uh, compared to what we have now. I think that it's going to be something that will be better in the long run, and there'll be more accountability, more than even we have now. That's something that people will embrace because it will be available to them.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, for AMM members, you know, colleagues and, and new, those new to the industry or breaking into the industry, you know, should they be excited about the future of medical media, concerned, opti- you know, cautiously optimistic? What's kind of your view on that?
1: I think if I was a young person entering the industry, I would be very, very upbeat i mean what our industry does is to educate and help physicians nurses healthcare providers with information that's going to pro- that provides and is going to provide better healthcare for everyone we are the conduit we are the conduit to help these physicians in their everyday practice whether it's office based hospital based or in the lab we're so diverse I am so happy to be in this industry and I would be excited if I was just starting today and saying, I am proud to be in this industry. And I think that our industry in the last two years has been elevated to where at one time we were like the price gougers, ripping off people to, hey, this industry is helping us survive and live and do better and have a better future. And I know the AMM is part of that platform to with publishers to help them do their job. And I'm proud to be a member of the AMM.
0: That's all for this episode of AMM Conversation. Thank you for listening. AMM Conversation is the official podcast of the Association of Medical Media. Make sure to listen to each and every episode of AMM Conversation on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Kindly leave us a comment, subscribe, follow, or even share this podcast with colleagues. Also make sure to check out the AMM website, www.ammonline.org, for the latest information and resources on medical media. In addition to fact sheets, industry research, and special reports, you can watch my monthly healthcare policy update featuring DC insider, John Bigelow, or the new YouTube series, John Loughran viewed your profile, all on AMM's new YouTube channel. Check back next week for the final episode of season three, featuring a panel of industry veterans from Frontline Medical Communications. Have a wonderful day. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the guests and not necessarily to the host or AMM or any other group or individual.